Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Rosie Knight. Rosie is a writer who covers comic books, film, TV, and pop culture for Nerdist. Uh, women write about comics and slash film. She also writes comics. Uh, her most recent stories can be found in Fever Coast in the series Cougar and Cub. Uh, Rosie is also a lapse poet and also has spoken about her perspectives as both a critic and a creator on panels at conventions, including SDCC, NYCC, WonderCon, and LA Comic Con. Rosie, welcome to the show. Hello. It's nice to be here. How are you doing? Doing great, doing great. Um, happy to kind of finally have you on. I know we've been in touch for a little bit and really have been excited about getting you on board to talk uh, everything from being a critic to a writer. I know that's kind of how you describe yourself, right? You, you're you're yeah. both, you know, you as a writer from being both a critic and also a writer yourself. Like, what are the differences? I think the kind of biggest, it comes from the same place when you start. So like being a critic comes from writing about stuff that you love. Um, which is often the same place that comics comes from. But also it's about like critics, there's like a criticism, there has to be a level of objectivity to it, even though you there's no such thing as a completely objective critic because you're bringing your own experiences and stuff. But whereas with comics, you can, it's completely subjective. You can just write whatever you want. You can put yourself into it. And I try and do that with my criticism as well, but it's about creating that balance. And criticism as well as a I mean, I feel the same way about comics, but criticism, my criticism is all based on making uh, entertainment accessible, whether it's really deep cut comic stuff that I write a lot about, whether it's weird Star Wars EU lore, or whether it's just like a new film people should watch. Whereas my comics, sometimes they're more, I make them because they're stories I want to tell. Right. Your criticism uh, writing and your comic writing, would you say one is your work and one is your passion? Or would you say they're both work... Because of the way comics work, criticism is the only thing I get paid for. Right. <laughs> so that's probably my at this point, <laughs> So that's probably my job. Okay. But um, I, I also see comics as my job, and I love I love both of them. So I'm I'm pretty lucky that way. Um, and I'm like I write comics, so obviously a lot I don't I don't draw them. So um, even though I'm trying to get more into cartooning, but writing comics, a lot of it is work that you do before the fact. So it's like you write a pitch, you write a script, you. To, you collaborate with an artist and you create something before a publisher or someone sees it and wants to put it out. Um, whereas obviously with criticism, it's a much more like standard. It's, can you write this? Yes. Oh, we'll pay you. Great. And then you write it. <laughs> right. So that's kind of the main difference uh, work-wise. But really, I'm very lucky because they are my jobs, but I kind of love both of them. So I get to really enjoy both kind of facets and both sides of it. Would you want to, can we break down each just a little bit more? So from the film critic side, I know I'd mentioned a few sites that you write for. Yeah. Um, Nerdist, Women, Write About Comics, and Slash Film. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you, to what capacity you work for each? Does one take up most of your time? Is it equal? Like, how does it all work? Oh, yeah, of course. That's a great idea. So I basically, and this would be uh, the good kind of, my good advice is, so I started writing for Women, Write About Comics, which is a completely... Uh, volunteer on site and um basically what they do and what we do as i'm part of the site now is everyone works there completely for free and we offer like really good editing and kind of mentorship so i started working i started writing proper comics criticism that wasn't just sort of my own kind of fun writing or poetry because i used to kind of mix the two 
And I started writing for him right about comics. And that was really my main home for a good kind of couple of years. And I, I wrote a lot of different stuff there. It was really special. Um, the people who set it up and run it, like Megan, Purdy, um, Claire Napier, Otto Amer, uh, Wendy Brown, like there's just a really great crew of people there. So they would let me do all kinds of stuff. So that was a lot of, um, really in-depth criticism of certain aspects of like classical comics. I did a lot of writing about like the misogyny of old seminal comics, like even comics like Watchmen and how a lot of them are built around like pain and trauma of women. And, and then I got to do a lot of like really fun stuff where I did this series uh, called Daddy Issues that was just like funny essays writing all about um, different bad dads in comics. So it's, and, and, and just also standard reviews. And that really was a great, I built up a, I built up a portfolio and body of work there. And it's kind of, it's very important to like this, distinguish that from like, you shouldn't, I feel like people who want to write shouldn't ever have to write for free. Um, and you definitely shouldn't write for a big company that has money for free ever because that's exploitation. But um, being part of a community and kind of helping to better each other and create a portfolio when you're all doing it on a voluntary basis is something that I would highly recommend. It was a very special experience for me. I still write there now, but then through them, I managed to, um, I used my portfolio of writing through them to get a gig at Nerdist as a freelancer. But that for the last kind of year since I think it was May 4th, actually last year, which was Star Wars day, which is when I started, that's been my predominant gig. So that's very much like, um, that can be anything from like, news short news pieces uh, this is happening this is happening i do quite a lot of these everything we know style pieces which is will be where i keep an eye on everything about a certain property whether it's going to be the new hellboy movie or um the new series the his dark materials philip pullman stuff so that's very like broad but notice has also been a place that really um really allowed me to like critique the things i love which is one of the things i love doing the most so they're very they've been very open to kind of more in-depth I got to write a really beautiful uh, Jack Kirby piece for his uh, centenary and kind of introduce hopefully new people to Jack Kirby. I wrote, I did Steve Ditko's uh, obituary when he passed. I, I got to kind of do deep cut comic stuff as well as one of the best things has been there is um, doing highlighting like marginalized creators work. And they've been very open to that and really created a great space. So I've managed to like help uh, promote great Kickstarters, like interview creators who maybe hadn't been interviewed on there before. Um, and that's, that's been really special. But that, for the, that for the most part, has, is actually the majority of where my work was coming from. And I kind of managed to build a space there to talk about everything from like, to move from specifically comic book journalism to film, even TV, which was not something I was doing a lot before. And, uh, and gen general pop culture as well. I do a lot of lists. That's like a big part of <laughs> of earning money as a freelancer. But now this is cool because they let you do a lot of like, I get to do a lot of like really fun kind of silly comics lists or like old vintage video game lists and stuff. And Slash Film is relatively new. It's been the last maybe sort of like six months. And I started doing two Star Wars columns there. One which is just a, a Star Wars news roundup and then one which is a more a deep cut anything I want to talk about whether it's like some old EU law and how it could connect to um the new movies or whether it's like fantastic creatures that nobody really talks about or kind of whatever I feel like talking about in to do with Star Wars and I also just recently started uh 
trying to do more comics coverage there, which has been really cool because I got to do, I've done a couple of big profiles for them. And uh, I do a regular weekly column now with my friend Jazz, who also writes there, uh, called Comic Book Drive-In, where basically we pick like a, either a classic movie or a new release. And then we recommend three comics that would be like a good compliment to it. Cool. So that, that's been really fun to kind of, Nerdist was su- is such a like a space that was so much of my like work life. So I'm trying to be really good at like as a freelancer, trying to like branch out and find other places where I can kind of work as well. Because that's the one good thing about being a freelancer is there's no exclusivity. You, right. can, you can really write for whoever you want. And then going back a little bit, taking a step back, um, you mentioned that you got hired at Nerdist. I think it's important for our listeners for those aspiring writers who are trying to get hired at a site like Nerdist, which is obviously very prestigious, um, how did you get hired there? Is that something like you sent in your resume and they emailed you back? Or did you know somebody? What's the best way uh, you would yeah. recommend someone get hired at a, at a big site like that? I did try before and send Nerdist a random uh, email with like some of my stuff and I never heard back from them. But what I've found, not only with Nerdist, but with Nerdist, with Slash Film, uh, this is how I got hired at Slash Film as well. It's how I've gotten work recently at um, Shondaland and a couple of other cool sites. One of the best things to do is to keep an eye on social media. So, like, I don't have a Facebook or anything, but I use Twitter quite prolifically. And that I saw Rachel Hine from Nerdist. She did a call out uh, for saying they were trying to diversify their writing pool and they wanted to have some new voices. So I sent an email to the email that she responded with. And I basically like my best suggestion is short. Hey, this is my name. Uh, This is what I do. This is why I think I would be a good fit for your site. And here are a few of my pieces that I think most suit the site. So you really like, so I looked on Nerdist. I found the kind of stuff that they write. And I saw the stuff that I wrote and what I felt would fit most there. And then I didn't hear back from them for like three months. And I thought that nothing was going to happen. And then Rachel emailed me back and said, hey, we would love to have you contribute. And, uh, and that's how it started. And I think that is really, for a lot of freelancers that I know, it's about following those people and making connections within your own community. So other people who are writers might share something with you and be like, hey, I saw this on Twitter and I thought of you. Or, hey, um, somebody asked me to do this. Like, would you want to do it with me? And then and, and so kind of, again, building that community and, uh, and social media have been really the two biggest ways that I've found work. And then how would you describe your day-to-day, whether it's for Nerdist or, or women write about comics or slash film? We'd love to just get into like your process. Like, yeah. are you waking up and kind of grabbing a coffee and sitting down? Yeah, well, I do work from home. So uh, I'm very lucky. And I live in Long Beach, where it's very beautiful. So, uh, and my husband also works from home. So usually we just, uh, we wake up, we make tea, we drink a lot of tea. <laughs> and I, one of the things that I, I started doing about, I know, eight months ago or something was um, I started, I made like a Google Doc. And I know a lot of other people make Excel spreadsheets and stuff, but I made an ongoing articles document basically where I list all the different sites that I work for. And then underneath, I write each piece that I have um, that I owe, that I'm working on. And it seems like really simple, but it was actually like quite radical for me because like, before I'd just been trying to like keep them right. on, on my brain. Because I think as well for a lot of us, it's like you sort of, this doesn't feel, you're like, oh, is this really my job? It's not like <laughs> a job in the way that other people have jobs. I don't wake up at nine and go to work till five. And 
So I usually, I check that when I wake up, I check my emails. Um, and then with like a site like Nerdist, they will some, they will send out like, uh, blasts sometimes of stories that they want covered. So if I wake up in the morning and I'm feeling really like I see something like, Oh, the new Suspiria trailer is out or something. Does someone want to cover it? I might pick that up as like a short piece to kind of get started. Um, and then usually it's just about kind of breaking up my day and working out kind of, and I'm trying to do a better job at balancing my own personal projects like comics and stuff with um, my film and comics writing. So I kind of try and split the day up. And on average, I probably write like two to three pieces a day, but that can be some days it's one really long piece that I have to transcribe from an interview. And other days it can be like five shortish kind of like cool news pieces that I pick up. So yeah, I, I work from home. Um, I usually have like a movie on in the background or something. I'm a big proponent of like having, for me, having those kind of distractions and stuff really works. And, uh, and yeah, I work completely out of Google Docs. Um, if I'm writing a longer piece, sometimes I will write, I'll start by writing like a plan where I try and work out like what my points are, what I want to prove, what my thesis is, and then what the end of it is. But a lot of times, um, the stuff that I'm writing is either interview based, like profiles. So it's a lot of transcribing and then, uh, arranging this piece into a profile format, which means it's not just question and answer. Right. And then, um, or just like writing about stuff that I really, really love. So there's not necessarily a lot of, um, a lot of like extensive research. It's more like revisiting stuff. So I get to revisit a lot of movies that I really like or, um, if I'm doing like a retrospective on a film, I'll put that movie on and I'll kind of make notes while I'm watching the movie and then, and then work around the piece. And I don't have a working hours, which I should probably implement on myself. So I can like start working at eight in the morning and work till 11 at night, or I can like work at, start working at two and work till four in the afternoon. Yeah. So it's, it's all really to do with the deadlines. Right. But that's kind of a general. Yeah. Uh, How often are you, um, choosing the topics you write about versus what's being assigned to you? I, I am very lucky. I predominantly pitch. I don't cool. often get assignments. Um, Nerdist especially has a really fantastic um, editorial team who get to really know their writers. So for me, they will specifically say like, hey, do you want to cover this? And nine times out of 10, I will say yes, because they know exactly the kind of stuff that I'm interested in. And that's really special to have that. Sometimes I pick up the new stuff as assignments because it's interesting to me. But most of the time, I'm a I really enjoy writing like kind of big think pieces or essays about critical parts of stuff that I love or um, highlighting like things that people don't necessarily know about. And in that case, I'm the one pitching. So pitch emails is another thing that I've kind of come to, to learn about. that I think nobody really talks to you about. So some, what I'll usually do is um, for different sites that I work for, I'll have like one overall sheet and then I'll write like different pitch ideas for each site. So, um, a lot of times people like Nerdist and Slash Film, they're looking for things to do with anniversaries or linked into releases and stuff like that. So I'm always trying to think of some cool uh, twists on stuff that I really like. I've been doing a lot of horror film stuff recently. So I'll pitch like three and also like always over pitch. That would be like my good, say it's the Hellraiser anniversary and you really love Hellraiser, pitch three pieces um, right. so that like one of them will probably get picked up. And also the best thing I can, that I've found that works the most at different outlets is when you're writing a pitch, 
think of your headline for the piece, which is, you know, uh, seven reasons that Jason is the scariest slasher or whatever. Probably, <laughs> probably don't pitch that, but hypothetically, that's like one you could do. And then just do like one to two lines, paragraph at most, description of what your piece will be. And then if it's, you don't, if it's a list, you can bullet point the seven reasons underneath. Or if you're doing like a more expansive thing piece, you can do the same title, paragraph, and then you can do bullet points that kind of are your like your five or six main points that you'll cover in the piece. And I found that that gets a really, really good response because you really get, you really giving the editors an idea of like what your whole piece will look like. So that's like a good, that's a good format that I found that works for me. Obviously, I'm sure it's different for other people, but um, yeah, that kind of stuff. And and so probably about 80% of what I write is just stuff that I um, I pitch myself, sometimes uh, with prompts about anniversaries or, or kind of like we're looking for something like about these topics, but it, I don't ever feel constrained by that. I'm quite lucky and um, I have way too many ideas. So I pitch like a, a ridiculous amount of stuff to people <laughs> and then, you know, hear back about like half of it or something. How do you keep track of the ideas that you have? Are you walking, you know, down the street and keeping a notepad app, you know, on your phone and, and thinking, oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Or are you like actively sitting down and really thinking through those ideas that you're pitching? It's a mixture of both. Um, me and my husband, we spend all our time together and we talk, we, he makes comics as well. So we talk a lot about this kind of stuff. It's just, it's just in our kind of daily vernacular so often we'll be talking about something and then I'll be like oh that would be such a good pitch and in that case I love notes uh, I use it all the time so I'll just like pop it something down in there but when it comes to like um if I'm trying to like work on a pitch for a site that I really really want to work on or something that I really want to cover at notice I'll sit down and I'll work out a few angles that I would think are interesting and then I'll and then I'll uh, work out the pitch and, and send it out to them rather than just like um, doing it on the fly. But I think that's the same with anything like this. When you really like love a topic, you're going to kind of put your all into it and right. think like, what's the best way I can present this to make other people love it too? And then as far as the other side of things, the actual comic writing, how do you divide your time on, on that? And, and for that process, like where does that fit in? Is that something you know, later on in the day, okay, that's when I start, you know, working on my comic writing. Like, how does that fit into the schedule? That, that is a very good question because it's definitely the thing that I uh, I battle with the most. Right. Because uh, criticism is my income and has sort of has become my career or what I'm more known for uh, to the like 100 people who know who I am or whatever. But like, that's kind of what they know me for. It's definitely, I still find that balance quite hard. So I got, recently I got a, an iPad and that's been really helpful because what I started to do is um, whenever I'm not writing, if I need a break from writing pieces or if I just want to like be away from my computer for a minute, I just try and like draw on the iPad or like uh, plot out bits of like comics or ideas that I have for like short comics and stuff like that. And because I'm a writer, unless I have like a collaborator, it's very easy for me to just put my comic stuff aside because I'm not writing it for a, a deadline or a purpose. But luckily at the moment I have two ongoing kind of projects that's in, that are really encouraging me to, to put that back to the forefront. So, um, yeah, it's really, there's that specifically is something I do a lot less maybe 
a couple of times a week at the moment. Um, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to get better at it and kind of remember that my own, I, I had, I had a moment recently where I really became very invested in the idea of just like creating things for myself instead of like creating content for other people. And though I'm going to continue to do both. Um, and I don't mean other people like readers or whatever, cause I love making stuff for people. Um, but like corporations or companies and stuff like that. So I'm definitely trying to up my ante when it comes to that stuff, because as you know, like I'm sure personal projects are very hard to put in front of like a commercial work. Right. So yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of trying to get that balance now, but that's how it looks at the moment. It's something that I do as like a, something I'm trying to do as like something I enjoy and fit in and around my day. Uh, usually I just write comics really late at night. That's like always my, if I can't sleep or uh, sometimes when I'm on public transport, I write a lot of stuff in notes and stuff and then transfer it over to, to my docs for my, for my good old collaborators. And I, I think that's um, a universal challenge, right? Everyone's trying to kind of have their side hustle. Does a company like Nerdist or uh, Slash Film, they know you're freelancing. So obviously, I assume that writing for yourself isn't really a conflict of interest, correct? Like they know that oh, you yeah. guys are writers. I mean, okay. Especially both Slash Film, which is like Peter and uh, Nerdist, which is like Dan and, and Rachel and uh, Amy and stuff, they're super um, supportive and like love having cre- other creative people work there. So like neither of them, I know in some cases when you freelance for places, they uh, make you sign like an exclusivity right. or something like that. But I don't have anything like that. So I can write for multiple sites. Um, they really are supportive of us following our own stuff like amy recently who's the managing editor amy ratcliffe she's amazing she recently like she's writing a star wars book now about like the 75 most amazing women in star wars history or something it's like a big coffee table oh, cool. book and notice was really supportive of that and and stuff so it's nice to kind of have that space and as long as i'm hitting my deadlines and kind of not over promising what i can give to them because i'm focused on other projects yeah they've been very uh, supportive and it's more about my own management of needing to be like take on this much and then you can spend this much time doing your creative stuff and and kind of trying to get that balance of it being healthy and and satisfying for everyone involved <laughs> yeah and then as far as that creative stuff how do you choose those ideas how do you you know come up with those is it the same process um that, that you come up with for criticism or is it different I I definitely think comics wise, I probably have a lot more ideas that are just like they just come in my like they'll just I'll be walking down the street and I'll have an idea for a comic and I'll write it down or I'll be chatting to a friend and we'll have an idea and I'll write it down. Um and then I build on them from there because I have like so many ideas for so many comics. I have a whole folder that's just full of like comic scripts and comic ideas and stuff. So for me, I'm definitely like a spur of the moment kind of get an idea and think like whoa that could be really cool especially like I'm kind of in this place where the stuff I write is either very um kind of fantastical sci-fi superheroes uh that kind of stuff or is very like personal and that's kind of funny because like Cougar and Cobb the backups that I did were it was five different backups um they're all available on my website actually uh, for free with Daniel Arudamasa, who's incredible. 
And uh, every one is just a different era. It's like a play on a different era of superheroes. So it's like Golden Age, uh, 70s underground comics, black and white boom, 90s comics, and 60s romance comics. So that was very like superheroes, fantasy, sci-fi, blah, blah, blah. And then Fever Coast, the story that I did for David Nicole, um, it was called Love Games, and it was about uh, online dating. And it was kind of this like very personal comic about online dating, but set in the idea that like a dating app is like Dungeons and Dragons and like so <laughs> it was kind of that mix of the two is really and yeah so that's a lot of it is like I'm trying to I like the idea of doing some diary comics and that kind of stuff but I'm still kind of I'm still finding my way when it comes to the more personal stuff I, I usually go for the the more fantastical and is there a strategy for your comic book writing career when you choose the ideas that you work on, obviously you're doing it from a passion perspective. I want to write this, I want to write this. When you look at the trajectory of your career, do you think, okay, well, maybe I should write this because if I want to end up being a writer for, I don't know, Marvel uh, in a year, does that factor into yeah. what you write? You know, it's really funny. Like I, when I, so when I first um, came out here, Cougar and Cub was in the direct market, which is the, you know, diamond, which is how most comics get shipped to stores and it's pretty much the only way you can get a comic put in a comic shop uh, internationally or at least in uh, North America and, and Europe and um and that seemed like this huge deal to me because I felt like that's the trajectory right it's like you do that you maybe and then you can write like Doctor Strange or you can write like Swamp Thing or something and since I actually came out here and, and moved here my first experience with my publisher was very negative um they were generally awful uh, called Action Lab. I'm happy. I talk about it publicly all the time. They're very exploitative. Um, and luckily, they didn't really affect me that much because I was just doing backups. But I saw the way they treated my collaborators. And um, I saw the way that they treated multiple of my other friends I made since I came here to have books with them. And then like doing lots of cons and like speaking on panels and making friends with creators. And also just like being a part of reluctantly being a part of what I guess they would call like comic book Twitter or whatever. It just made me realize that the most important thing for me is just to like make stories that I really like, that other people hopefully really like. Because to be honest, the state of things at the moment, I don't think I have the strategy that I used to have of like, oh, I just, the, my dream was just to write the X-Men or whatever. I actually like, I don't, a lot of the people who are writing those comics nowadays, like I don't really um, have a lot of respect for the way that they write or the choices they make and not about talent. Like everyone who writes comics at that level is, is very talented. It's worked really hard to get there, but just on like a, a personal level, there's a lot of messed up stuff going on in comics. And, um, so I think that changed, like now my trajectory is more like, I love writing stories that are like accessible for people. And at the moment, one of my biggest things is like pitching this YA science fiction graphic novel with Daniel. And like, I would really love it to get a home that could get it into bookshops so that kids could read it. And that's really the big buying market in comics anyway. Or it's like, I want to make a really personal comic about when I was a teenager and I was homeless, and I want it to be at a publisher that is smaller, like Silver Sprocket, but who I really just love everything that they put out. And I love their politics. I love their, their kind of DIY uh, aesthetic. I love the way that they run the company and those kind of things like since I've been here and actually been involved with creators and comics and know people who've worked for the big two and know people who've worked for like multiple publishers it definitely changed so definitely now I'm coming from more of a place of like I want the stories to be good and I want people to like them but I'm not 
if those stories are good and people like them, maybe there's a time that I would end up writing my dream, like bad magic team at Marvel or whatever, but it's definitely not. I don't write for that anymore. I just write to like tell a good story and then, you know, maybe the shape of comics would change and I would, I'll maybe one day be writing uncanny X-Men who knows. (laughs) Wow. What are your next steps? Like what's coming up? I'm definitely going to keep writing at the sites that I write for because I really love that community and I love having that platform to be able to kind of talk about the things that I love. Um, I'm currently, I'm working on uh, a short art comic with this really incredible artist uh, at the moment. And um, so that's like a big passion project of mine. And then me and Daniel Rudamassa, who was on Cougar and Cub, we are putting together a really rad pitch for our YA graphic novel, which is like a a YA murder mystery uh, set in space. And that will be like a big push to get it either and there's a there's like i would i really like lion forge and the stuff that they're doing at the moment so they're like a comics publisher that i would uh think about for it or they're like book publishers uh who who have graphic novel imprint and personally i'm also i'm gonna start trying to make more so like i've wanted for a long time to to kind of make comics journalism or comics explainers about really simple parts of comics that are actually really mystified to most audiences. So I'm, I'm probably going to start working on creating some of my own content for my own channel about how to make comics and the process and all these things that are really interesting to me that often don't really get talked about unless you're making comics with other people. Definitely. And when you're doing that, definitely we'll have you back on the show and, and hear more about that because that's the kind of, those kind of insights are definitely what we're all about. Um, so last question regarding the balancing of, you know, writing for, like I said, a site like Nerdist and writing your own. Would you say you have one word of advice for aspiring writers who are kind of maybe looking to be a journalist and also, you know, pursue their own uh, creative ideas? Do you have one word of wisdom? It sounds very corny, but just like be true to like yourself and what you like. Like there's no one else who likes stuff in exactly the same way as you or who uh, loves and is passionate and has the knowledge base that you do. And if you stay true to that and you, can be a critic and you can think about things objectively that you love and you can make things that you love as well like you're very unique and you're yeah you're you basically are an asset to wherever you work for so just remembering that and not trying to like compromise what you want to write about or what you think interests people because there'll definitely be something that you love that you know about that they don't have anyone else who knows about and loves that thing in the same way wow awesome um, are you ready for what we call a series of random questions, which we created it that way, but they aren't that random anymore, but we will <laughs> still can call it that for in the I sake of it. tradition. You're ready. All right. Question number one, you've spoken about your perspectives as both a critic and a creator, which we've been talking about, uh, on panels at conventions at SDCC, NYCC, WonderCon, LA Comic Con, and more. What's the most memorable experience you've had? Um, when you've been speaking or just at a convention in general? Okay. Um, can I do two? Oh, is for that, sure. So the first one is like, and not really, it was, I, I pitched a panel at San Diego Comic-Con with my friend Jazz, who is a wheelchair user, and it was about disability in comics. And we did it again. We got to do it twice in a row, and I think we'll probably do it next year at SBCC as well. But the first year that we did it, highlighting the topic of our conversation, which was accessibility in comics, um, 
she got locked in the lift, the wheelchair lift, uh, before getting on the stage uh, for like 10 minutes. So that's always kind of stuck out for me as a like, yes, the work you're doing is needed. And this year, nobody had that problem. So I feel like hopefully uh, we, the conversation was had within San Diego that that wasn't necessarily a good thing to happen at any panel, let alone a panel about making comics more accessible right. to disabled people. And then my other one, which is a good one, is also from San Diego, which is the first year I came to San Diego and I was just for like a day to announce uh, Cougar and Cub. And I've never really been to a convention, like an, an American style convention. And uh, I walked in and uh, Nick was doing a signing. So I was just like, I'm just going to walk around with our friend Joe. And the first table that I walked to, it was just Grant Morrison. And there was like nobody there. And I just went and talked to him and he was like, we had this really good chat and he asked me to pitch for heavy metal and stuff, which I didn't get, but that was still a huge thing. Wow. And then I walked around the corner again and the Hernandez brothers were there and Love and Rockets like one of my all-time favorite comics. So that was very, um, that was very like astounding kind of special moment to me that there were just these amazing creators and they were just kind of there and you could just talk to them because I just hadn't really come across anything like that in conventions in the UK. So cool. And obviously you've been to a lot of conventions since then. Maybe someday we can get you on to do a how to make the most out of your uh, comic book convention. Oh, I would love to do that. <laughs> right? Like tips, tricks, what to do, what not to do. I'm sure a lot of uh, aspiring writers yeah. could learn from that for sure. Um, next question. If you could have dinner with any writer, living or dead, uh, who would you choose and why? Uh, okay, so I, I would pick... Uh, there was a, a really amazing woman who was really, she was just uh, a, a black woman called Jackie Orms, who was basically like one of the first cartoonists ever. Um, and she had super popular syndicated comic in the 40s called Torchy Brown. And it was incredibly popular. It's one of the most popular syndicated comics going. And no one ever really talks about her. And I would love to talk to her and kind of get to know more about her process and and kind of ask her about how it felt to be writing this like radical comic in the forties and fifties when, you know, most people still saw cartoons and still now see it as like, Oh, women only just got into them in 2018 or something. So like that would definitely be my pick. Cool. Next question. What is something about your career or your life that nobody knows? Hmm. That's a tough one. I know. Yeah. That's like, that's like, <laughs> um, Probably, I feel like this is like something that people like think about freelancers, but they don't necessarily know. Like we do most of our work in like our pajamas or like our underwear and a t-shirt. <laughs> so <laughs> like funny. There's, there's not like a professional uniform or anything when you're working from home. Right. So that's probably a, uh, a good secret. It's no longer a secret. A benefit of the job for sure. To, uh, <laughs> to run around like, uh, what was that? Tom Cruise sliding around in the socks there. Yeah, what film was that? Risky business. <laughs> the life of a writer right there. Um, and yeah, I guess lastly, did you want to plug um, your, your Twitter handle just so people can, after this, like if they want to find you or, you know, or even your, your website, whatever, whatever you want to plug. Yeah. Um, I am at Rosie Marks, R-O-S-I-E-M-A-R-X on Twitter and Instagram, which is my only social media. And I have a website, which is rosieoliviaknight.com. And there are plenty of comics and cool stuff. And it also has a, uh, I kind of collect a selection of articles from there, as well as just links to my author pages on all the sites I write for. So yeah. Fantastic. Um, Rosie Knight, thank you. This was a quick one, but I feel like it was like nice and concise. We learned a lot. And I think we set up some other potential episodes 
yeah, um, for the future. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Definitely. And uh, yeah, I guess have a great rest of your day and, may, and yeah, let's keep too. in touch. All right. Thank you, Rosie. Bye. And thank you to our listeners. We look forward to seeing you back on the show next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.